the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Adultery, as horrible as it is, is not just a free pass to seek divorce from the adulterer. You cheated on me, I'm getting a divorce. No, no, no. You blew it, I'm out of here. Nope. No, there must be every effort made at reconciliation, forgiveness, moving forward. Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen. At the very beginning of the created universe, God declared in Genesis 2.24 that marriage was to be the greatest unity a human can know, the greatest unity a human can experience. Two, becoming one flesh. After Jesus Christ died for the sins of man, his relationship with the church, including his love for us, was pictured in the marriage relationship as we see in Ephesians chapter 5. That picture is further emphasized when we as the church are called the bride of Christ and He our husband in 2 Corinthians 11. With those and many other passages and theological truths, it comes as no surprise to us then that in Malachi chapter 2 verse 16 we read that God hates divorce. He hates it. Yet, despite these truths, when it comes to divorce, I am often asked as a pastor a problematic question. Pastor, when is it okay for me to get a divorce? When is it okay to get a divorce? That's a problematic question. The reason that question is problematic is because it views divorce in a backwards way. It views marriage in a backwards way. It is a question that is looking for a way out of something you're not supposed to get out of. It's a way to justify something that we know is wrong. Perhaps Christians are prone to ask this question because we know that in certain situations, God does allow divorce. As Christians, our our primary concern is to honor God through obedience to His Word, not to look for loopholes. Don't treat God like that. You may not have respect for your mayor, your governor, your president. You want to find loopholes to get around him or her? Stick it to the man. We are not to do that with God. And when you try to find a way to get a divorce, that is exactly what you are doing. The entirety 
of the counsel of God tells us that even if your spouse wants a divorce, you should do everything in your power to fix your marriage, work on the marriage, avoid divorce. Yet we know that divorce is all too common in our world. In 2018, there were over 2.1 million marriages. In that same year, there were 782,000 divorces. That's quite the number. Did you know that there's actually a divorce magazine? It's won awards, not only for the magazine, but also its online presence on YouTube. It's been around for 25 years, and it's very popular because of the lack of resources providing advice about divorce, despite the apparent great need for it. Perhaps the frequency of divorce in our country makes us ask, when is it okay for me as a Christian to get a divorce? Instead of, what can I do to make my marriage work? It's an easy out. It is a self-serving option. And I share this with you because we're back in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And as Paul continues his teaching on marriage, he is continuing his teaching on marriage, not divorce. He explains divorce. He talks about divorce. But he is teaching on marriage. Though he explains when it is okay to get a divorce, he does so in the context of assuming that you will do everything to preserve your marriage. Preserving your marriage is the norm. Divorce is only an allowance in the most extreme circumstances, which we'll see from both Paul and our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if at the end of our time this morning, feeling comforted that divorce is okay, then you have misread the passage and you have misheard me. Rather than the problematic question of when can I get a divorce or when is it okay for Christians to divorce, I want to give you three alternative questions that help us to understand the issue from a more biblical perspective. Three questions for a biblical marriage when the marriage becomes unbiblical. The first question, what should I do if my Christian marriage goes sour? What do you do, Christian? What does the Bible say? In the wider context of marriage, in the specific context of divorce, when you have issues, nonstop arguments, problems in your marriage, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 through 11. But to the married I give instructions, not I but the Lord, that the wife should not leave her husband, but if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and that the husband should not divorce his wife. The first phrase, but to the married I give instructions, of verse 10, tells us that Paul is now directing his attention to the married Christians in the church, having addressed the singles whom he'll return to later in the chapter. When he says, not I, but the Lord, he is saying that this is not instruction that Christ gave when he spoke on the topic of marriage and divorce. We know that we have a little bit of instruction regarding uh, these issues and specifically divorce in the Gospels from Jesus Christ. And so Paul is saying, I'm not quoting him. I'm adding to the instruction of Christ what I'm about to say. He did not give us. 
However, this is, again, inspired instruction, and it's very simple. It's very simple. In the Christian marriage, the husband or wife should not leave their spouse. That's it. What should you do if your marriage goes sour? Don't get divorced. Stick with it. He starts here with the wife and says she is not to leave her husband. This is divorce, despite the vocabulary, though unusual in Paul's day and culture for the wife to initiate the divorce. It did happen. And we must include the reciprocal command in verse 11 to understand that there is a mutuality here. In other words, the prohibition of seeking divorce applies to both the husband and the wife, the man and the woman. He's basically repeating the same thing, but for different parties. When it comes to the issue of difficulties in marriage, the Scriptures are very clear that divorce is not an option. And when I say it's not an option, I think you understand what I mean. You can physically do it. You can even legally do it. Just like I could say adultery is not an option. Looking at pornography is not an option. Lying is not an option. You can still do it, but the Bible says you are not to. In Matthew 5 and Mark 10, Jesus goes further and says that the individual who does get divorced and then marries someone else commits adultery. Because in God's eyes, the original couple are still married. Official certificates and even legal status do not matter to God. In other words, it doesn't matter if the government of the state of California or the greater United States or whatever country says you are divorced. In God's eyes, you are not This truth is further emphasized by the fact that in his teaching, Jesus quotes the Genesis record of the very beginnings of humanity, and the two shall become one flesh. In other words, his teaching on marriage and why even getting a divorce and remarrying is adultery comes from the very pattern of marriage and humanity that God set forth all the way back when the earth was first created. Jesus goes on to say, What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate or tear asunder. Nobody is to separate that marriage. Not the parents, not the in-laws, not the families, not the courts, and definitely not the husband or the wife. The one caveat that Jesus allows is in the case of adultery. But when we see this in the larger context of biblical marriage and God's hatred of divorce, adultery, as horrible as it is, is not just a free pass to seek divorce from the adulterer. You cheated on me, I'm getting a divorce. No, no, no. You blew it, I'm out of here. Nope. No, there must be every effort made at reconciliation, forgiveness, moving forward. The Bible tells us that in the pattern of marriage, in the understanding of love, in the roles of the husband and wife, all of that. Now, in verse 11 of our text, there's an interesting parenthesis. He writes, But if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. We kind of talked about this already in Jesus' teaching. So, 
if the wife finds that it is impossible to stay with her husband, we're no longer talking about a situation where adultery has occurred. And keep in mind, this is after doing everything she can to make the marriage work. And she ends up leaving. She cannot marry someone else. Because again, as Jesus has said, if she does, she has now committed adultery and she has caused her new husband to commit adultery. And by the way, this of course applies to uh, any sexual activity with someone else, even though you are technically or even legally removed or divorced from your husband. Now, what Paul is saying, if she doesn't like being single and she says, I need to be married again, Paul says that her only option is to remarry her first husband, her original husband, to be reconciled to that man because in God's eyes, she's still married to that man. They're just living apart. So I have to say this. Although this situation of the wife leaving is allowed, obviously it is not ideal. I do want to say this, I failed to mention this earlier, that what we're talking about when I ask the question, what should I do if my Christian marriage goes sour, is that both husband and wife are professing Christians. He will address an, a mixed marriage, a Christian married to a non-Christian, later on in our last two questions. So, back to the point. Marriage is permanent until the death of your spouse. And this should bring you joy. If this makes you sad, if this makes you feel hopeless, there is much that you should be doing, which I'll talk about in a moment. And so, according to Scripture, for two Christians, outside of death and adultery, the marriage bond remains intact regardless of what physical or legal actions one may take to end the marriage or be separated. To be clear, again, even if the individual is legally divorced, you've gone through the courts, you've talked about custody, you've, you've uh, divided the assets, remarriage is not allowed outside of reconciliation to the original spouse because regardless of what the courts say, regardless of who has custody, regardless of who owns the house and who owns the car, in God's eyes, you are married. And isn't that what matters? What God thinks, what God views? And this is a good reminder on a side note, we must stop relying on what the government thinks. Stop relying on what is allowed in our society, what is allowed legally. It doesn't matter what the government accepts as a divorce or a marriage or who can be married what matters is what God says and thinks. As with all things, especially because of the ways of the world we live in, we as Christians can easily take a text like this and take it to either extreme. And I want to warn you about this. On the one hand, we can try to get around Paul and Jesus' teachings because they seem just too harsh. And society has evolved, we would say. This is outdated, people would argue. God wants me to be happy. He doesn't understand. You don't understand. 
And so we take it to the extreme and we toss out Scripture. We try to find ways around the clear, very clear teachings of the Bible. On the other hand, we can react so hardly to the culture by saying that divorce is the worst sin of all and ostracize and, 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 and just really want to shame people who pursue divorce more than any other sin, we would say this is the sin. We need to be careful of either extreme. So, what do married Christians do when there are difficulties in their marriage? We can't get a divorce, so what do you do? You definitely don't just grin and bear it. You don't just suck it up. You, and listen carefully, you pray, you communicate, you get counseling, you seek the Scriptures, you repent. Even if you think he or she is the problem, I guarantee you there's something you need to repent of. You understand biblical love, and then you work hard. In other words, you do the exact same thing you would do, married or single, if you're struggling with any other sin or temptation. Don't think that you can ditch these basic but very important biblical and spiritual pursuits, again, because the government allows it. Pray, communicate, repent, seek counseling, search the Scriptures. So that's what you should do if your Christian marriage goes sour. You don't get a divorce. You work it out. And again, I want to warn you, working it out is not society's way of working it out. Let's just stay together for the kids. Let's just stay together for financial reasons. Let's just agree to disagree, sleep in separate rooms, don't love each other, but we'll stay legally married. No, that's not it. That's unchristian. That's unloving. That's not what God wants. God wants a healthy, thriving, loving marriage. And so when I say work it out, it's not just how do we work this out practically so we can stay together and just make God happy, but really still despise each other or just be neutral. That is not biblical. That is not marriage. That does not make God happy. Work on it so that you change your heart so that you truly love one another. And I'll tell you, more than anything else, since I planted Grace Church of the Bay Area, the one ministry I have engaged in the most outside of my regular preaching ministry is marriage counseling. And I will tell you there is hope in the Scriptures. No matter how bad it is, even if just last night you were on the phone with a divorce lawyer, there is hope. And I have seen marriages of two Christians who have come out of gross sin, gross situations of adultery with multiple adulterous partners come out stronger and more joyful and more loving. And in fact, it is working through those trials that has strengthened that marriage. And just like with any trial, 
how you work through it is going to determine if you just get through it or if you come out stronger, holier, more powerful. In this context, a stronger and happier, more joyful marriage, better parents, and all of that than ever before. There is hope. And when you say there is no hope, it is because you are looking to yourself or you are looking to another sinner, your spouse, rather than to God and His Word. When you say there is no hope, it is because you are no longer willing to work on it. You have given up. You have perhaps bought into the world's definition of love, which is just a feeling, and you don't feel that way anymore. You have fallen out of love. You once fell in love, but you fell out, and there's nothing you can do that's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie to destroy your marriage. When you buy into those things, of course you want divorce. Of course you have no hope because you're putting your hope in a sinner rather than the sinless one, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, if your marriage goes sour, look to God. Don't look to divorce. The second question for biblical marriage when the marriage becomes unbiblical, what should I do if I'm married to an unbeliever? Look at verses 12 through 14. But to the rest I say, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband and he consents to live with her, she must not send her husband away. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. For otherwise your children are unclean, but now they are holy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we are told that a Christian is not to marry a non-Christian. That would result in what we refer to as a mixed marriage or being unequally yoked. Unequally yoked refers to a physical yoke used in farming, mentioned frequently, both literally and figuratively in the Old Testament. And a yoke was simply a wooden device, you've probably seen them before, that would attach two animals so, so you can harness the strength and the power of two animals instead of one to pull your plow or whatever it may be. Uh, a yoke is just a, a long piece of wood with various straps and, and uh, ways to attach it to the animal so it doesn't fall off. But that's all it is. It is not malleable. It is not flexible. So obviously you would want to find two of the same animal. In other words, two animals that you would own on a farm for the same purpose. The power and the purpose of both like animals would help you accomplish your task. I'm going to say that again because it helps us understand why this refers to marriage. The power and purpose of both like animals would help you accomplish your task. But if, for example, you were to yoke together a donkey and an ox, it would be awkward. You'd have different uh, length of strides. You have different amount of strength. And the differences in size and power would literally just make them walk in circles rather than plowing straight lines through your field. In fact, you may very well even ruin your field and your crop for that season. 
In other words, again, both animals have to be the same and thus have the same purpose. And you can see where the analogy fits with a Christian marrying another Christian or a non-Christian being unequally yoked. All that to say, when we get to 1 Corinthians 7.12, Paul is assuming He doesn't even address it. He just assumes that no Christian has voluntarily or willingly entered into a mixed marriage. So for you singles, you do not marry a non-Christian no matter how much you want to get married but cannot find a spouse. You do not do it. It is forbidden. Your purposes will be different. Your strengths in the Lord will be different. One exists, one does not. And you, in a proverbial sense, will just be going in circles in raising your kids, in your go for life, in having a family. Everything in your married life will be ruined. What can and does happen, however, is that two unbelievers get married, and after they're married, one of them gets saved and the other does not. This is the situation that Paul addresses now because, again, he just assumes that no one willingly entered into a marriage, a Christian rather, into a marriage with a non-Christian. Now, in verses 12 and 13, much like verses 10 and 11, Paul repeats the same concept but addresses either the husband or the wife in each, covering all the bases and showing that the general principle applies to both. Here, the general principle is that the Christian spouse is not to leave the non-Christian spouse. So if you're married to an unbeliever, again, that is not licensed to leave. Divorce is still not an option for you. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.